The stock market was green today and it begs the question, should you sell or should you hodl? In this video, I'm going to provide you a formula for whether or not you should buy, hodl, or sell. Let's get right into it after I mention this video is brought to you by life insurance that you can get in as little as five minutes by going to metkevin.com life. So that way, if somebody shoots you with a dragon crossbow, at least your family's got some life insurance proceeds. It's really easy to sign up for and you can Apple pay or Android pay for it via the link down below. Go to metkevin.com life and stay away from those dragon crossbows, at least the bad end, the business end of them. All right, folks, let's now talk about whether or not you should sell. So in my opinion, you should always buy and dollar cost average and especially buy when there is pain and blood on the streets when stocks are going down. Buy, 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 buy. Why? Because you should be focused on building the investable portfolio that you have with quantity of shares. Because generally in five, 10, 15, 30 years, talk to me in 30 years, it does not make sense to try to always spend your day timing the market, day in, day out, swing trading, day trading, uh, or even long-term uh, macroeconomic cycle timing. But in this video, I'm gonna to talk to you about the two differences because one of these scenarios is appropriate for one type of investor and another scenario is appropriate for another type of investor. So let's break this up with a formula. First, here's what you should do right now. In my opinion, and this is not financial advice, you should write down what is your total net worth of investable and tradable assets. So you're probably going to want to add up your stocks, your crypto and rental real estate or any kind of investments that are not locked away that you could actually trade and consider investable assets. Add those things up. Do not add things in here that are going to be very difficult to sell, maybe like trading cards, collectibles, cars, things that are difficult for you to sell or that you definitely want to keep. Don't even bother with those. Now, add up that figure. Again, stocks, real estate, tradable assets. Add that figure up. Now, take your total annual income, subtract taxes out of it. So let's say your income is $60,000 a year and after taxes you're making, uh, let's go with 50,000 or $45,000 a year, somewhere around there. If your tradable and investable portfolio is less than $45,000 per year, in my opinion, there should be a very, very clear red line and you should probably just, again, not financial advice, but you should probably just buy, hodl, don't worry about it. Instead, you should focus on taking advantage of something that you could take advantage of today and you generally cannot take advantage of. And that is asking for a raise, asking for more money. The labor market is the tightest it has ever been. Not only is the labor market extremely tight, but if you have skills, which a lot of other people do not have skills, then you could easily, easily demand more pay because the last thing people want to do is hire more employees right now. Businesses don't have the money to train new employees. Uh, you have a lot of leverage to negotiate your salary in this kind of market. You're going to lose that leverage if we go into a recession. So if you're not already planning to ask for more money or make more money, I think you're making a mistake. Now, if you can't make more money at your current job, then you should probably consider switching jobs. So A, ask for more money if you're actually providing value to your business. B, switch jobs and make more money. Or C, get the skills that you need to make more money. I don't care if that means getting certifications, getting a license in something, learning or studying some kind of skill or whatever. It could complement your business as well. I mean, here's just an example. If you are a robo, uh, or I shouldn't say robo, if you are a, a forklift driver, what are you going to do if your job gets replaced by a robot in the future, a robo forklift? Well, hopefully you're taking the time now to study 
robotic engineering, so that way you can become a forklift robotic engineer. See, you're hedging your job with another skill set. And even if we didn't go into a recession or even if robo uh, forklifts never came, you could take that and translate that to potentially getting an engineering job and making a lot more money because there's really, I mean, the sky is the limit in engineering, whereas there is a limit in how much you could actually foreseeably get paid uh, in, in, uh, in, in driving a forklift. So keep these things in mind that you wanna hedge your uh, line of work. One of the things that I did as a real estate agent five years ago was I said, oh my gosh, Redfin's coming in and potentially taking over. And if they they take all of my clients, uh, which which didn't end up becoming reality, but that was always a concern of mine is, oh my gosh, what if they come in and then they take over, right? What can I do to, to hedge myself? And I thought, oh, I know, I'll just buy Redfin stock because if they take over my business, the odds are their company's going to the moon. <laughs> so that was a style of hedging. So what what have we decided here? Well, number one, the rule is if your investable base is and tradable base is less than what your income is, focus on increasing your income. Ask for the raise, get a different job, learn to provide more value by getting a skill certification or license or hedging yourself in your industry so that way you are an expert in your industry and you are making as much freaking money as you can in your industry. Only you have the opportunity to do that. And if you could increase the top of the funnel, you're gonna have a much bigger bottom of the funnel. It's that simple. Uh, now, I, I don't wanna just say, oh, you want more money, go make more money. Investing's nice, especially over the long run. In 10, 20, 30 years, is anybody going to care that Tesla's $900 instead of $1,200? Is anybody gonna care that, oh, maybe Tesla went down to $600 and then went back to $1,000? No, nobody's gonna care and it doesn't freaking matter. So what are you gonna do? I highly recommend you focus on your top line, your money, your dollar hollas, okay? Very, very, very important. Now, when does it make sense to actually sell? Well, we know, in, according to my opinion, not financial advice, it does not make sense to sell when your investable base is less than your income after taxes. Uh, now, there's gonna be a little bit of a gray area between this, and it's really up to you to determine where this line comes up. But there does come a point where your investable base is actually multiple times the size of your income. For example, let's say your household income is $200,000, but you have an investable base of a million dollars. That could be a combination of stocks or real estate or whatever, but it's actual net worth and it's a million dollars. It's like, man, our investable base is five times our income before taxes, let alone after taxes, it might be as much as six times. Well, there are situations where it might make sense to get out of the market, not to day trade it, not to try to time little you know meetings or uh, CPI reports or this, that, or whatever, right? Time in the market beats timing the market, we know that. Uh, but there are opportunities to time a macroeconomic cycle, as long as you're not out of the market, generally for more than six to 12 months. Because see, here's a downside. Before I tell you potentially what I'm doing or how to do this, there is a downside risk of you turning into some of those people from 2012 or 13 who are like, that's it, we're going into a double dip recession. And guess what happened? The double dip recession never came. And prices went up and then they got sad and thought, well, prices are up now, I'll just wait for them to come down. And then they wait 10 years and they never invest. That is a big mistake. That is the most fatal mistake you could ever make is thinking you're timing the macroeconomic cycle, failing, and then not accepting that failure and getting back in the market. So this is where we've got to talk about that macroeconomic cycle. 
I made a very detailed video about the psychology of market cycles. I highly recommend you watch that because I'm not going to go through all of it in here. I'm gonna give you a quick synopsis. The market cycle is very simple. Uh, whether it's the real estate cycle or the business cycle, doesn't matter. Cycles, uh, markets are cyclical. Prices go up. We have expansionary support. We have fiscal support from Congress. We have monetary support from our central bank and uh, assets grow in value. Well, assets grow in value like a balloon, not necessarily a bubble. We're not necessarily overinflated, but we inflate up. As we inflate up, more people get better jobs, pay goes up, the worker's ability to negotiate goes up and everybody feels richer. And when everybody feels richer, everybody likes to go spend money like crazy. And so this is where there are a lot of folks who say things like, but Kevin, how could we possibly go into a recession when there's such little unemployment or when people are spending money like crazy? Look how good the economy is. Well, what do you think comes right before a recession? A really good economy usually, <laughs> right? So the macroeconomic cycle is such that everybody tends to feel very, very rich at the top of the market. In 2006, and even the beginning of 2007, before the market really started showing any kind of jitters, folks were buying new boats, new RVs, new clothing, people were going on vacations, people were buying jets, people were going nuts, spending money like there's no tomorrow, like the money's never going to end. And this, in my opinion, is very intoxicating because it's fun to spend money. Businesses like it. They, they raise prices like they're doing now. They create inflation because they can. And people are willing to pay it because they have more savings. They have more income. They can pay, pay, pay. So what do they do? They take on debt. They use their savings. They use their higher pay. And they spend, 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 spend. This is why we are seeing higher levels of margin than we've ever seen in the history of America before in the stock market. Because short of the last really seven, eight weeks here, the stock market has done really well. Borrowing to invest in the stock market has been a great bet. Buying the dip has been a phenomenal bet, but not when the macroeconomic cycle changes. And this is where in the event we start seeing fiscal stimulus that stops which we've already seen. Congress can't seem to get any stimulus done because of fears of inflation. So fears of inflation are making Congress not our friend. On top of that, fears of inflation have now made central banks not our friend anymore. So now we have these two very large headwinds, actually three. We have fiscal headwinds, the end of stimulus. We have monetary headwinds, the central bank saying they're going to tighten policy. And we have inflationary pressures that even though folks say, oh, but Kevin, the inflationary pressures will go away once supply chains resolve themselves, I think folks forget that just because supply chains get better does not mean prices are coming down. It just means businesses for at least the first probably six to 12 months are gonna be making a lot more money. So supply chains could actually be fixed tomorrow and we could still see inflation for the next six to 12 months. That's because businesses are able to raise prices because why? People are paying them. And if people are paying higher prices, without businesses losing customers, what, what does that mean? That means businesses make more money and they can report more profits for shareholders and hopefully stocks go up, which is kind of what we saw over the last couple of days because we had phenomenal earnings out of, uh, for example, Amazon and Snapchat and Pinterest. Okay, good. So the economy's booming. Uh, unemployment is very, very low. Very, very characteristic of the top of a macroeconomic cycle. But then again, we've had low employment before. We, we had low unemployment going into 2020, right? We had a very strong economy going into 2020. And we had a Federal Reserve that, you know, wasn't like super accommodative. We didn't have stimulus in 2019. This is true. This is something to consider. But what did we also not have in 2019? 7% inflation. Potentially now the next survey is suggesting we might see 7.3% inflation. 
PMIs are saying prices paid are going through the roof. These are purchasing uh, indices or surveys uh, tracking prices. Wages are going up. Everything that we look at in terms of inflationary data suggests prices are going up. Now there's a limit to inflation expectations and a lot of folks wonder, but Kevin, everything's priced into the market, right? Maybe, but here's what's not priced into the market. Inflation not going down as quickly as we think. The, the markets right now are pricing in four to five interest rate hikes in 2022. But unfortunately, if the Federal Reserve comes out in March or in their May or even in their, their June meeting and suggests, wow, we are not capable of getting inflation down, we are going to have to get substantially more aggressive and double our rate hikes, that sort of fear and that sort of posturing by the Federal Reserve and unfriendliness, so to speak, is not priced into markets. And there is a risk that when the Federal Reserve raises rates substantially, that prices of, of goods can stay elevated while all of a sudden consumers stop spending. If consumers stop spending, there is a risk that we will have lower sales in this year in certain quarters compared to last year. Negative GDP comps mean recession. Two quarters in a row, you're in recession. Uh, and, and 2021 was a big spend year. So if we don't spend more than 2021, we will have negative GDP at certain quarters this month or this year, which is a problem. And unfortunately, if inflation remains stubbornly high, even if in, uh, supply chains start bettering themselves, then unfortunately, the Federal Reserve will be forced to become more aggressive, increasing not only uh, bond yields, uh, bonds will sell off, bond yields will go up, but also increasing the risk of the Federal Reserve pushing us into a recession. Now, if you believe that the Federal Reserve has to become more aggressive, and if your portfolio, your investable and tradable portfolio is multiples of what your actual annual income is, or it's somewhere between that, that line of being below and being multiples of to the point where you feel comfortable, sometimes it makes sense to wait until macroeconomic cycles provide evidence to you that we are either going to continue on a bull run or we are going into a bear market recession. This, I believe, is only opportune when your investable portfolio is substantial enough. I would guess at least three, four, maybe $500,000 to where you could actually stand to do something if the market fell substantially. Now, the market falling substantially under recession fears could mean stocks going down to levels that could potentially be, hopefully not, lower than what we saw in March of 2020. Why? Because the Federal Reserve stopped the bleeding in March of 2020. The Federal Reserve swooped in and said, hey, we're going to bail everything out. And that's when the market bottomed on March 23rd. You could perfectly line it up with the Fed, just like the Fed bailed us out and ended the market, created a bottom floor for the market in 1987, in 2003, at the bottom of the dot-com bubble, in 2009, in February, at the bottom of the uh, 2008 recession. Uh, and of course, at the end of 2018, it's always the Federal Reserve that marks the bottom when they finally relax their aggressive and hawkish stance. And if your portfolio is large enough to actually make a difference in your life, where if you stepped out of the macroeconomic cycle and got back on on a lower portion, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to time tippy top to bottom bottom. But if you could get off on the top half and get back on in the bottom half, if factors continue to reiterate that thesis, you could probably make substantial bets. You could probably find real estate substantially cheaper. You could probably find stocks substantially cheaper than anything that we are seeing today. 
Now I know that prices have already come down a lot on some stocks. Some stocks are down 50 to 90%. And folks argue that now these stocks are cheap. Possibly, but nothing's going to look cheap if we go into a recession. Yeah, stocks have gotten cheaper, but that doesn't mean they're cheap. And so this is where I do recommend individuals express some prudence in their portfolio. Now, I wanna make this crystal clear. I do not want to see a recession because if we see a recession, we are going to see pay go down for a lot of people. Maybe you negotiated higher pay, but then you get laid off. Risk factor, right? Maybe I can't monetize YouTube videos anymore because YouTube decides, you know what? We're turning off advertising because we can't pay anymore because we have no advertisers. It's entirely possible. And so you have to prepare that in a recession, that is like one of the worst things that you could ask for next to, of course, a depression, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But potentially preparing uh, for, for something like that is, is always prudent. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. And that doesn't mean you want the, a confirmation bias that says every day, oh, the market better be red, otherwise you're wrong. That's not how macroeconomic cycles work. So if you are deciding, okay, I'm gonna sit on the sidelines here until we get a more accommodative Fed, until I start seeing evidence that inflation has played itself out, until I see evidence that supply chains loosening, which is barely happening, but until you see evidence that supply chains loosening is actually translating to prices going down, then maybe it makes sense to be a little bit more cash heavy in your portfolio now than ever before. In my opinion, that does not make you a paper-handed weenie baby. Although that is very easy for individuals to say, and it's a, 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 it's very easy to say, oh, somebody's a flip-flopper. One day you said buy, the next day you said sell, whatever. It's kind of like the Titanic is one day driving one way and the next minute they're like, oh crap, we hit an iceberg, we're sinking. Yeah, things change. And if you wanna leave mean comments and stick your head in the sand, that's, that's totally fine. But then you're probably not even watching this far along in a video. So this is where, you have to remember that macroeconomic cycles are natural, they're normal. Macroeconomic cycles, especially falls in cycles, remove risk, speculation, debt, and zombie companies from markets. They actually do weeding, they clean out the bad. Macroeconomic cycles rotating to the downside are a good thing. What is not a good thing is a depression. And I can tell you, if we end up seeing hyperinflation, we could potentially see the end of the dollar. We could see the collapse of the dollar as a monetary system if the Federal Reserve does not respond to inflation. So this is why I think it's laughable when individuals say, oh, the Fed's not gonna raise rates because that's going to increase the interest rate the United States has to pay. Okay, well, first of all, not all of the bonds the Federal Reserve has to, or the government has to make payments on, uh, you know, have their rates go up. We have bonds expiring at many different uh, points along the curve, two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years, right? It doesn't all float up and down right away. We're paying substantially less in interest as a percentage of our GDP than we paid in the 90s. We could probably double the interest we're paying. We'd still be at a 90s level. And with how honestly strong the economy is right now, it really doesn't matter. The United States government could just sell bonds and, uh, and, and raise money to, to pay these higher uh, interest charges. That's, that's, that's not an argument, it's the wrong argument. Uh, neither is the argument that uh, the Federal Reserve doesn't want to raise rates because they don't want to cause a recession during uh, an election year. Okay, well, first of all, have you heard of 2008? <laughs> okay, that was a recession during an election year. Uh, and, and second of all, if, if the argument is, oh, but you know, maybe they didn't choose to do it in 2008 or whatever, the Federal Reserve has nothing to do with politics 
technically. We know behind the scenes they, they collude together all the time. Probably. We expect that. But anyway, uh, what's most important to the Federal Reserve is preserving the dollar. Because if we don't respond to inflation, the dollar could lose its standing in the world. We already have Russia making deals with China to trade oil in euros, which is a big slap in the face to the United States dollar as the petrodollar. The collapse of the dollar could potentially be the worst thing that would happen, well, probably would be the worst thing that would happen short of like war to the United States. And so the Federal Reserve will act aggressively to respond to a falling dollar or a weakening dollar in some form. The full faith and credit in the United States dollar must be maintained at all costs. And this means if the Federal uh, Reserve has to push us into a minor recession, which I think if, if we had a recession, it'd be relatively minor. If they have to push us into a minor recession to finally get inflation down, then that's what they'll do. But at least it'll prevent a hyperinflation, Paul Volcker style depression in the future by acting sooner rather than later. And so this is where it would make sense for the Federal Reserve to raise rates substantially and sooner to do whatever they need to do to prevent inflation. And inflation, unfortunately, is already here. And even if they raise rates, people have so much money, businesses have so much money, it's possible the economy won't actually contract or, or reduce inflation for quite a while, at least until A, supply chains clean up, then B, the six to 12 month lag goes by and rates go up and businesses and consumers actually need to borrow money. And honestly, it could be we are fighting higher levels of inflation for the next two years. And if we had a minor recession between now and then, there could be an opportunity if you're timing the larger macroeconomic cycle to get out now and to get back in uh, at a lower point in the future. Now, I believe this only makes sense for those with larger portfolios. Just to give you an example, there are a lot of things that I could do. First of all, let's say in six to 12 months, uh, I'm wrong. And you know what? We didn't have a macroeconomic transition. Inflation came down. As soon as I start seeing inflation come down or the Fed become more accommodative, I'm back in this market. That might be in a month, that could be in three months, that could be in six months, that could be in 12 months. Once those conditions line up, that's when I'm back in the market. Obviously, I'll send an alert to everybody in the courses linked down below. Uh, and I'll, you know, I'll probably make YouTube videos on this as well once I have all my thoughts put together. Uh, but that's what I'm looking for, to get back in the market. So that way, if I'm wrong, I'm back in. Uh, if I'm right, and we do go through a macroeconomic transition, then I'm also waiting for those factors to U-turn. It's just prices around me will be getting a lot cheaper. Everybody keeps talking to me about how, oh, but Kevin, if you're sitting in cash, the inflation is going to eat your cash away. That's wrong. Inflation does not eat your cash away. Inflation only eats your cash away if you're spending it on stuff where the prices are going up. If I'm putting cash aside to buy stocks and real estate in the event the market falls, I'm actually increasing my purchasing power by being in cash as the market falls rather than decreasing my purchasing power, which is actually deflation, not inflation. Inflation is bad if, if a high proportion of your spending is on things like natural gas or gasoline for your car or food or rent. That's when inflation is bad. That's when your cash is trash. But if you're an investor with a larger portfolio that's multiples the size of your income, then you're probably best off considering, do you want to play this macroeconomic cycle? I think there's still time. I don't know that we are going to see inflation go down anytime soon. And the market is pricing in the best case scenario right now. Everybody keeps telling me, oh, Kevin, the market's pricing in uh, all of this, uh, this inflation going away and everything's going to be fine. I'll show you exactly what the market is pricing in. And it's, it's kind of sad because it's not good. Uh, here we go. We got a picture. Uh, it's a chart. 
and it shows you uh, what the market is pricing in, in terms of uh, financial conditions. And uh, what you're looking for is the white line is going to tell you how much pain or potential Fed hike pain is being priced in. So let's go ahead and pull this up right here. There we go. I'll go over here in the corner. Take a look at this over here. If we just zoom in right here to that white line, you could see when we have a lot of pain, like we did at the beginning of 2020, the white line goes up. Look how much pain right now is being priced in compared to 2020. In 2020, we had the Fed on our side. Today, the Fed is not our friend. The Fed is doing the opposite of us. So shout out to Bloomberg uh, for, for this uh, particular article. But folks, the best case scenario right now is being priced in. If the Federal Reserve has to turn more hawkish, the markets are not going to be very happy. We've seen an endless amount of volatility so far, and I just expressed caution to everybody. But I want to make it very, very clear that I believe if your portfolio is of smaller size, it does not make sense to try to macro economic time this cycle. If your portfolio is larger, I think there could potentially be opportunities, but you can't put the blinders on and sit out of the market for uh, more than six to 12 months because you'll get left behind. You have to be ready and able to pick up on signals in the market that you are either correct or that you are wrong, and you have to be willing to change your strategy. That's very, very important. Uh, in the event that uh, I'm wrong, for example, I also have opportunities. And so this is something else you should look at for your portfolio. If I sell stocks and now I have capital gains that I have to pay, which I have to pay, maybe it makes sense for me to take that money and buy a big multifamily building, cost segregate it, and offset some of my gains in stocks with uh, a cost segregation on, on a rental property, on a big building. Maybe that makes sense. Talk to your CPA if something like that makes sense for you. So there are a lot of things that you can do if your portfolio is, is multitudes the size of your income. If, the port if your portfolio is smaller, it, it probably doesn't make sense. You should focus more on your income than you should focus on your portfolio. Uh, and so hopefully this provides a little bit more insight. I always want to make sure that I'm most transparent with everybody on this channel. And I want to make it critically clear that everybody in the world knew within 30 hours of me selling stocks that I sold stocks. Uh, there, there is no, there's no hiding. Uh, I'm always extremely clear if I'm short the market, if I'm selling, what I'm doing. The only thing I'm short on is lucid. There's a lot of misinformation. I've never been margin called, right? I always wanna be extremely transparent with you and I believe that's why you watch my channel. So that way, if I see changes in the market, you hear what my perspective is on those changes. Anyway, hopefully this helps you out. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye.